0: I love that the word is timeless, who who has discovered that when you read his word, it's timeless. You're reading stories that are so, so old, and yet they're so relevant today. I mentioned last week, and I want to go right into this. This will be a part two, um, and uh, I'm going to be talking about Abraham again because I want to get more into his story. We just kind of touched the beginnings of his life, and... Um, I want to say this first that God doesn't make mistakes everybody say God doesn't make mistakes some people think that God messed up in their story Uh, God has allowed things to happen that he shouldn't have or he lost track of you and um, you're left to fend for yourself some people even think that they are a mistake and the the reality is that God doesn't make mistakes and you are not a mistake Your story is not a mistake. Your past puts you in the place you are in today. I want you to say that out loud. My past, no matter good, bad, or ugly, put me in the place I'm in today, right? That's the truth. Uh, The steps... You took to get here may have wandered in and out of the will of God, but God knew before you made the right and wrong turns where you would be today, and he planned to meet you here and now. Amen. I mentioned last week, and I want to say it again, that Nathaniel, Nathaniel, the Bible says that in John 1, Philip found Jesus and said, that he It says that he went and he found Nathanael. And he said, we found the Messiah. So he comes running to him and says, we found him. Nathanael comes. When he meets him, Jesus says to him, he says, uh, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And, and Nathanael says, how do you know about me? And Jesus replies, I could see you under the fig tree Everybody say with me before. He said I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. So Philip thinks he's going to find Nathanael. But Jesus was finding Nathanael. Amen. Do you hear this? That means before that the person even shared the gospel with you the first time, the Lord already was preparing a meeting with you. He knew that you were going to hear it, and the Lord is looking from a different perspective. The Lord is looking at your entire story in fullness. We look at the moment ahead of us and the day ahead of us, and the Lord is looking at an entire life. In fact, we have the Old Testament, which tells the whole detailed story, and then we have the New Testament, which Testament, which references Old Testament characters, and it will sum them up in a few words or a couple paragraphs, and when God sums them up, he doesn't get into all the nitty-gritty details of their lives. He looks at the whole, the fullness, the whole picture of who this person was. Were they a person of faith? Were they a person that rejected him? Amen. So um, we we looked at this wanderer. Everybody say wanderer, right, Annie? (laughs) we looked at this wanderer, Abraham. Abraham was a wanderer. And um, I had this thought come into my mind. I think uh, Michael Bennett, who I didn't expect to be our guest here today, uh, is going to like this. Who knows the bumper sticker, not all who wander are lost. Who's ever seen that before, right? Anybody ever heard that statement before? Not all who wander are lost. And... um, uh, we need to understand that that's kind of what we are in this life. We're not lost, but we are sojourners, right? That's an old, that's an old word. We don't usually use that word anymore. We use the word, like, you know, a nomad or a wanderer. But we're, the Bible calls us aliens, not aliens like the green men from another planet, but we're not of this earth, right? If you're not of this earth, then what are you? By definition, you're an alien, right? We're not illegal aliens, we're legal aliens. But we are sojourners, we're aliens, we are not of this earth, and that's really what was happening here immediately in the story, the Bible starting in Genesis, you know, we're talking right here in the first dozen chapters, we're introducing this guy Abraham, and the Lord calls him out of the world, just as he calls us out of the world. And sometimes when we get called out, we're expecting everything now to be a golden brick road. Who expected a golden brick road when you got saved? Or who still to this day sometimes is kind of wishing for it? We say, okay, God, your will be done and anything you want from me. But really, secretly, deep down, we all desire the white picket fence. Even though we point our finger and we judge those who really, really talk about the white picket fence, right? We all (laughs) desire it somewhere inside of us we want simplicity we want everything in order nobody wants chaos no one wants disorder nobody does even if we're like lord anything you want take me anywhere as long as it fits within the calendar it's got to be monday through friday i don't work weekends i'd love to have my evenings off Um, i don't like getting up early i don't like staying up late anything else It's in that, God, I'm for you, and and you're, you know, we're going to have this great time together in our lives. If anything goes out of whack from that schedule, we think that God has abandoned us, or we get confused. And the truth is of the Bible is that I'm just talking about Abraham today for time, but you could go through each and every character, Old and New Testament, And they seem to just wander about if you just read the story without looking from a God perspective, right? Even Jesus, the Son of God, seems to just kind of end up with this group of people and then he's with this group of people and now he's on a hillside, now he's in a boat. It seems like there's no order. He's just kind of wandering about. And whoever gets to hear him, hears him. And whoever doesn't, that's tough for you. That's not what happened, is it? But you could read the story, and it looks like, you know, this group, that group, and then they're like, well, stay with us. He's like, I can't stay. i got to go. i got other places to be. And the truth is this, that God is doing something behind the scenes that we just can't even understand, can't imagine. I don't have time to get into it, but you know, some of the times that Jesus went to a city or... Uh, went to a particular person or even on the sea, you know, he was dealing with devils. He was dealing with things behind the scenes. He was dealing with entities that had taken control of regions. He's dealing with a lot of things that we just don't quite fully understand, but God does, doesn't he? So what may seem like wandering uh, is still the part of the plan of God, and I can't stress it enough that You needed to go through whatever you went through to get here today. Sometimes we wish, I want to change this, I want to change that, I wish I could go back, I would do this different, do that different, and we all do that. But the truth is that every one of those things that would change would also change where you are today. And so at some point, we have to come to the place where we just say, Lord God, thank you that I made it to this point. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your favor and your blessing. And, Lord, I just, wherever I've been out of whack, I want to be on track, in whack. I've been out of whack, now I need to be in whack. I want to be on track, right? Out of whack, now we need to get on track. Amen. I want to read you something here from Romans. Romans chapter 4 sums up Abraham like this. It says, verse 16, So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. Everybody say, faith like Abraham's. The Bible says that the promise, which is what? It's Christ. Romans 4 is pointing to Christ here. We receive Christ through faith, Just like Abraham believed, and it says, For Abraham is the father of our faith, the father of all who believe. Who's ever heard that before? Anybody know that Abraham's the father of our faith? What does that mean? That means he believed God, and just by him saying, God, I believe you, God said, I hear your faith. I believe that you believe me, and you are righteous. I'm counting you righteous because you believed. It says, verse 17, uh, that that's what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham, I want you to read something with me because... We're going to read some more scriptures, Old Testament, and I want you to get this in your brain. I want you to take these New Testament words so that I'm not trying to convince you of something the word doesn't say. It says right here, let's just start together. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. So the Bible says he kept hoping and he believed what God had told him. It says... Verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken. Did I just want to, I'm, I'm kind of doing this like children's church, but go with me, just bear with me for a minute. Did Abraham's faith weaken? But wait a second, who's read the Old Testament? Who's read his story? Does it seem like his faith wanders? Does it seem like Abraham made mistakes? Anybody read any mistakes he made? But my Bible says in Romans 4, summing his life up, it says Abraham believed God and he kept hoping and it says his faith did not weaken even though at a, about 100 years of age he figured his body was as good as dead and, was, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham, verse 20, never wavered. Romans 4 says that Abraham never wavered. Can you understand, I'm excited to preach this today, by the way, because I think we all feel out of whack at times in your life. You don't know what's going on, or you don't know where you're at, or you don't know why God's not doing what you've been asking him to do. Maybe you're praying and believing he's not answering, or whatever it is. And so we feel like, what's wrong? The truth is that God is looking at your life from a heavenly perspective, and who believes that what the Word says, that all words are inspired by God, that's written in our Word? The only reason we can read His Word and have such faith in it is because we believe that God wrote it. Isn't that the truth? My Bible says, and I think yours says the same, maybe in slightly different English words, but the same concept, whether it's in any language written down, it says Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. It says, in fact, his faith grew stronger. His faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, verse 23, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit to assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus Our Lord from the dead. Now, what I want to do is I want to read some Old Testament scriptures, and what I want you to do is I want you to place yourself in the Old Testament story, but I want you to view yourself in this story from God's perspective when it's all said and done. Because my Bible says that the way that the Lord summed up Abraham was that he never wavered, he believed God. In fact, his faith appears to increase. And he makes the point here in Romans 4 to tell us that it's exactly the same for you and I. The Bible says that it was recorded for our benefit because if we will believe him, he will count us as righteous as well. Which means what? Which means that your perceived mistakes, God is looking at you As righteous not because God doesn't care about sin not because you can get away with it because God's gonna somehow work it all out anyway and we're not talking about sloppy grace or sloppy agape who's ever heard that that's not what I'm talking about what I'm talking about is a person who believes God and truly believes him and truly wants to serve him and truly wants to do things right You still will make mistakes because you are human. If you think I can make a mistake because don't worry, God's going to forgive me anyway, you are in danger. That is not the person I'm talking about. It's okay because God will just forgive me. Because even if we're not talking about heaven and hell, the danger you're in is that the devil says to the Lord in the courts of heaven, hey, uh... This person here, apparently, they say they believe in you, but they obviously don't care about your word and will poke into their life. So if it's not a heaven and hell danger, that's a danger. So that is not what I'm talking about, but I want to express to us today in this sermon is that the person who wants to serve God will still make mistakes just because there are so many influences. You are bombarded since the moment you were born with ideas right even today we're still trying to define what the word love is apparently I needed as a, de- on a as a definition on signs telling me what love is because I at 39 years old apparently I can't understand the word love so I need a sign to define it for me anybody know what I'm talking about when my word already told me what love is though 2,000 years ago, Jesus defined the word love. So my word has already defined it. But the thing is that without his word, right, the concepts of this world are bombarding against you. And they're telling you what happiness is. The concepts from this world are bombarding you with ideas and thoughts and feelings. And you're trying to sort through them to follow God. I'm not telling you about the person that's flippant and says, I don't care about God because, you know, his grace, and I just don't need to worry about trying because the Lord will work it all out. That's not what I'm expressing, but I'm expressing the person that says, I want to follow him, but he's sorting through my things in me for me, and I'm willing to let him take them as he asks for them. Amen. Who's ever had the Lord ask you to give him something? I want you to give me this area. I want you to stop doing such and such. I don't approve of that. Who's ever been there? And when the Lord does it and we reject that, at that point, it is not, you're in grace to an extent, and I'm not going to, that's between you and the Lord, but you're in a dangerous place. But the person who says, yes, Lord, and 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 just keeps saying yes. If you were to look at their life during their process, though, and you look at 20 years ahead where you kept saying, who has said yes to the Lord for 20 years, right? But then you look back and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you love that person, though. We're, we change, and we've been changed, and thank God that he changes us. But really, if you look at the person that you thought you were as righteous 20 years ago, it wasn't very righteous, was it? 30 years ago, not very righteous, and yet we expected the Lord to love us and give us grace just as much then as we do now. And my point is that the Lord is working with us. We're judging the mistakes, and we put them on ourselves, and we carry them on our shoulders, and we don't need to do that because the Lord doesn't do that. You are not meant to carry around the baggage of your mistakes, you are meant to cast them upon the Lord. Amen. Who's getting encouraged by this? Hopefully, I'm making some sense. I want you to hear what happened. Genesis 15, we all know the story, but I just want to read through some scriptures very quickly here. Genesis 15, Abraham in verse 2 says to the Lord, Lord, you've given me no children, so Eleazar, my servant, he's going to get all my wealth. Verse 3, Genesis 15, you've given me no descendants of my own, This this servant's going to be my heir. Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son. Everybody say Abraham is going to have a son. Did the Lord tell him what his name would be in verse 4? Did the Lord tell him how and all the details in verse 4? There's no details here. The Lord said you're going to have a son. Then he takes them outside, verse 5. He says, I want you to look at the sky. If you can count the stars, then that's how many descendants you're going to have. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So my Bible says that God said to him, I'm going to give you children from your seed, from a son. You're going to have many children. And, uh, and he believes God. Okay. Genesis chapter 16. Now, that's 15. Here's Genesis 16, verse 1. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah, we're just calling her Sarah, by the way. I know it's pronounced Sarai or some sort. It's easier to say Sarah. We all know who she is. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me From having children. So go and sleep with my servant, and perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So verse 15 says: So Hagar gave Abram a son. And Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. So the Bible says, chapter 15, God says, it will not be your servant. I'm going to give you a son. So chapter 16, they come up with a plan. They said, hey, you remember the Lord said he was going to do this, this, and that. In our lives, right, We can. I'm saying it that way because we can apply it all to ourselves. The Lord's like, I'm going to do this in your life. I'm going to do that in your life. So we're like, okay, Lord, how are you going to do it? And the thing is this, time goes by. Who's ever been there? And you're like, okay, Lord, I'll remember your word. I'm pretty sure you said this. In fact, I'm positive you said it. But, you know, he must, God You know, this is God's plan because there's no other way. It's not happening. So let's help God out with his plan, and we'll make it happen. The Bible says in Genesis 17, verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, so how old is Ishmael? Let's do the math. 86. How old is Ishmael? 99 minus 86. He's 13 years old. So 13 years later. Imagine, remember on day one. Remember as soon as. Remember as soon as as uh, Abraham was going to sleep with Hagar, the Lord's like, "What are you doing?" Nope. Doesn't say that. Remember year one. Abraham's like, "You know, what is this kid here? This is not my. This, what are you doing? This is not my plan." Nope. Don't read that. Year two, three, four, five. You realize the reason I'm doing this on purpose is. Who can think back 13 years ago? talking 2009 right it's like a lifetime ago like just think of all the stuff and all the places you've been and maybe you've had a couple of cars a couple of houses even by then i mean life has gone on right It's so easy to read the stories. I I read an interesting paragraph, and I think this way all the time. In fact, I've even said it from the pulpit. It's too easy to read nine chapters of Genesis in 30 minutes and then judge the character. Because we're talking years and years of life, so many decisions and ups and downs and valleys and, and all kinds of things are going on in that time, but... The Lord comes to him, Genesis 17, verse 1, he appears to him, and he says, um, he says, I'm El Shaddai, presents himself to him. And he says, serve me faithfully, live a blameless life. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to guarantee to give you countless descendants. So verse 18 says this, Abraham said to God, I think what we would all say to God. What would you say? It's been 13 years. Obviously, God approves of my life, and God approves of what I did, because I think by year 13, he would have told me by now. He would have said by now that I made the wrong decision. 13 years later, he says, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. Who knows this story? Who is ever read the story and thought Ishmael was a mistake that Abraham made? Can I just get a show of hands? I know nobody likes raising hands. Anybody ever thought that? Has anybody ever been preached to that Ishmael was a mistake that Abraham made? I'm not going to tell you whether it was a mistake or not. All I want to do is just read the text, and I want you to just look at the text without any preconceived ideas. Is it okay to do that sometimes? Right? Let's just read it. So it says, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Now, I want you to hear something. This was 24 years later. Now, I asked you to go back 13 years. Try to go back in your mind 24 years. Who remembers what God told you 24 years ago? Anybody in here holding on to a promise still? Sometimes we read this story and be like, this is why you need to wait on God. As It's so easy to say, see, we should just be waiting on God. Yeah, for 24 years, anybody in here moved on, waiting on God after 24 years? I'm not saying that that's good. I'm just saying that, you know, it's so easy to look at the story and be like, see, that's why you should just wait on God. Who would have moved on after 24 years? Anybody in this room? Who would have moved on after four months? How about 24 hours? (laughs) That wasn't God. Obviously, it wasn't God. That preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. He said this in my life. He said this was going to happen. That prophet said this. Prophet said that. God, I think it was God. It's been 24 years. Okay, time to move on. 24 years later. See, I don't think that God was testing Abraham and Sarah in this area. I don't. I don't think he made them wait 24 years to, to test their faith. I really don't. But again, this when it's my opinion, I like to say it so that you guys, because that's not what it says. It doesn't tell us. It does, it has? There is not one scripture of why it took 25 years for him to finally come. It just says, I want you to look at the sky. That's how many sins you're going to have. 25 years later, there's Isaac. You got all these other things going on in between, but God never explains it once. Dan, am I wrong? Right? He never explains it, and so it's just my opinion. But I don't think it. I, what? Here's what I think. And I, when I say when it's what I think, I want to tell you that first, okay? Because you are listening to the preacher, and sometimes you're like, "Well, preacher said this," and it, and then you could take it as fact. It's not. I'm not saying this is fact, but I just think that was the timing where Isaac was meant to be born. Does anybody think that the timing that Jesus was to be born was by accident? No, because literally a star was put in heaven. In order for there to be a star for them to follow, it means that God had already placed the time of Jesus' birth before time began. Imagine God knows what he's doing. Imagine he knew exactly when Isaac was to be born. And I want you to say this word, these two words out loud, that I think about often when I read the scriptures, I think about often. Ready? Life in between. I know that's three words, but you get what I'm saying. Life in between. What are you supposed to do with life in between? The thing is, we read these characters, we judge them, but we're all kind of going through life. We're trying to follow God. And you know what? That's enough. The person, again, I need to give my disclosure a second time. The person who's flippant and has no desire to follow God and just thinks that God's grace is that he'll work it out. I can just do whatever I want because the Lord loves me and he's just going to put me in heaven one day anyway. That is not what I'm preaching about today, and I know you all know that, but i got to say it again. Maybe someone on the podcast didn't hear me the first time. But the heart that says I want to follow God is, There is life in between, and you're going to make good decisions and bad decisions. And God has seen it all. He saw you before the word even got to you. Before Philip found you, God saw you. And he already had a meeting planned. Isaac was already planned. There's life in between. And and I'm about to let the scriptures prove themselves that there's no such thing as a mistake for a true follower of God. The Bible says... No. God said no. And a lot of people stop there. Who's ever heard this sermon preached and that's where it stopped? No, Isaac. Not Ishmael, Isaac. Who's ever heard that? What the next verse is very rarely spoken when we preach this sermon on Isaac being the promise and waiting on God for his promise. He says... His name will be Isaac, I'm going to confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Why was this so particular? Because Jesus, the Son of God, was going to come through the seed of Isaac, not through Ishmael. That does not mean just because Jesus was going to come through Isaac that Ishmael is a mistake or disregarded. That's like us looking at a preacher and think, man, who's ever done this, right? That's the anointed of God. And like, we roll out a red carpet for the preachers to walk into the church, and they walk in, and then they preach their sermon, and they roll, then they drive away, and then everybody else is just a normal Christian. Not true, is it, to God? But who's ever, that's a good example, isn't it? But the difference is that, see, Isaac had a particular purpose. Maybe that preacher's got a particular purpose. The, we put all the other stuff around it got a purpose that appears to be more important than the others. But Ishmael is not unimportant to God. He just wasn't the one to bring the seed of Christ. Do you hear that? Because this is what he says. Let's let the scripture preach itself. Verse 20. As for Ishmael, I want you to read this out loud with me, because I think this is going to really bring some comfort just in your life. Maybe it's someone listening. Maybe it's no one in this room, and you can Put this on the shelf for later on in your life. Maybe it's someone on the podcast, but somebody needs to hear this. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also. Wait a second. Who was preached? Who's ever been preached that Ishmael was a mistake? Does God bless mistakes? Does he? As for Ishmael, I will bless him also just as you have asked, and I will make him extremely fruitful. Do the, do the Lord need to go into such such descriptive language here? And I'll multiply his descendants and he will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. Who's ever heard it preached on waiting on God for Isaac? And Ishmael's in between, but we don't talk about this part of it. And all that does is just condemn you for all the mistakes you've made in your life. And see, here's the thing about following the Lord. The Lord is not looking at your mistakes. What he is looking at is the right choices that you make afterward. Because the Lord's looking from above. The Lord sees those years wasted doing those things in the world Okay, he's aware of them, and the devil would love for you just to hang there and stay there, but God says, yes, I'm aware of those things and all the mistakes you made and all the people you may have hurt in your life, but I'm going to take your life, and I'm going to do something, a covenant blessing. I'm going to do something special, but don't think that even your mistakes are a waste because I in between, there's all kinds of other stuff that you can't even understand or imagine or figure out. Even in your sin and even in your mistakes, there are, there are things that I've done. In that time, I'm still going to bless even mistakes because you truly want to follow me. Because your heart is right, even the mistake, I'm going to bless. That's what he says. He says, he'll become the father of a great nation. Verse 21, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac. So my covenant, this was not what I had for your life. Isaac is what I have for your life. And that's going to happen next year, just so you know. We're going to, this this thing's happening now. You've waited 24 years and you thought I gave up on you. You thought I abandoned you. I did not abandon you. And there's life in between. And I was watching from above and you're trying to figure it out and do in your own way. But I'm going to do it this next year. But I don't want you to hang here and think, man, I really messed up. And what a waste because I'm going to even bless that. Verse 8. Of Genesis chapter 21 says Isaac grew up. Who knows the story? All right, who knows where I'm going? Everybody with me? Isaac grows up. He's about to be weaned. It says Abraham prepared a huge feast and it says Sarah saw Ishmael, verse 9, the son of Abraham, and he starts making fun of Isaac. So she turns to Abraham and she says, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. And it says in verse 11, This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. See, we just look at it as a mistake, but there was, see, there's still life in between, even mistakes, even stuff that wasn't the perfect plan of God. There's still life in between, and it says, Verse 12, but God told Abraham, don't be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But this is what he does. Verse 13, he reaffirms again, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, Because he is your son too. Wow. Anybody getting anything out of this? It says in verse 18, go to him and comfort him. God tells Abraham, comfort him. I want you, he's going to, I'm moving you in a different direction now. Some things that you've been waiting for, they're going to get clear." And the life in between, we're going to change some things. But I'm not going to just disregard. I don't, the Lord's not looking at you and saying, what an idiot you've been for 24 years. You should have been more patient. You should have been more faithful. You know what he says? He says, Jesus, it says it this way in the New Testament. It says, Jesus had compassion on the people. Because the Lord sees the humanity in us. He recognizes God is not up in heaven thinking, why are they acting so human? What he's in heaven doing is saying, they're human, and I'm fully aware of the curses that have come with that when Adam broke free, and now they're in the earth, and they're wandering and breaking, and But the Lord has compassion, and it says, comfort him. I'm going to make him a great nation from his descendants. And verse 20 says, and God was with the boy. God was with him as he grew up in the wilderness, and he became a skillful archer. Now, um, if you've read your Bible, you've read this, but it certainly isn't preached often. Genesis chapter 25 says... um, Abraham gave everything, in verse 5, to his son Isaac, verse 6, but before he died, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land in the east away from Isaac. So there was a definite separation from the plan of God and the things that we do in between. See, the Bible says it this way, New Testament. Who's ever heard this? When we get to heaven, the Lord's going to judge your works, the things that will remain are the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. The Bible says that the wood, hay, and the stubble gets burned up. Do you know what that means? That means that the things that were part of the plan of God, the things you did with, with the right heart, with the right motive, and for his purpose, those things go on forever. But there are going to be things in your life that you're going to do for yourself, you're going to do in your own strength, and those things do not endure And so there is life in between, and there is the call of God, and we're trying to figure it out. Who's been trying to figure it out up until this day, how to follow God? Anybody got it mastered? Anybody come in here? Man, you have 100% faith, 100% joy, 100% peace, 100% hope. You know the plan. You know the purpose. Man, you're just walking in those steps. Steps are ordered before the Lord. You're like, I know the step before God even showed me. Anybody in here like that? Or are we all like the rest of us that's saying, Lord, I don't know how you even got me to the last step. I'm so thankful and grateful you did. And I'm looking desperately for the next one. Where is it? Anybody more like that? And the Lord is completely aware of our humanity. In fact, he tells Peter that he says, just pray with me for one hour. He falls asleep like we all would. Because it was late. It was past 10. That's what we do. But he says to him, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. He wasn't condemning him. It's kind of both. It's kind of like, because he's like, it's too late, you know, time is over, because now they're coming to take him. He's not condemning him, but he's kind of saying two things at once. It's like, you should have prayed, but at the same time, the flesh is weak, and I understand that, but the spirit is willing. And what he says is, here in Genesis 25, it says... Now he dies at 175 as a ripe old age, verse 8, and having lived a long life and satisfying life, he breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. And verse 9 says, his sons, what's that say? Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. The Bible says that, one day, apparently, Isaac and Ishmael are allowed to be brothers again. There was a time they need to be separated for the purpose of God, but they come back together, and they're burying their father together. What I really wanted to get to today was that Hagar and Ishmael are not Abraham's greatest downfall or his greatest mistake. Ishmael was just not meant to be the line of the covenant seed to Jesus. The mistake is not that he had Ishmael. It was assuming God was going to do things a certain way. It was taking the reins and helping God work out his plan. It's trying to do it, fulfill his plan our way and our timing. Who likes God doing his things in our timing? Anybody like that? Who wants God to do his purpose in your way? God is so faithful that even when we get the timing off and we mess up or mess with God's perfect plan, he is still able to salvage his plan. And when you are faithfully following God, even our human attempts can. I'm not saying they always will. I'm not saying every Ishmael in your life will be blessed. But even an Ishmael can be blessed by God with the right heart to serve him and to seek him and wanting to do it the right way. People have taught for ages that Ishmael is the reason that there is a war between Muslims and Jews. People have taught that even the war between the Muslims and the Christians are because of Abraham's mistake. Do you know the Muslim religion wasn't even conceived for another 2,700 years after this? Imagine blaming 2,700 years ago, ancestors for what's going on today. Man, your great great granddaddy may have been a horrible person. It doesn't need to be that that's who you are today. In fact, when I did some reading, I was reading in Genesis 49 just very quickly when, uh, so Isaac, who's the son of promise, let's all acknowledge, right? Isaac's the son of promise. He has Jacob, right? Jacob, son of promise. And then Jacob has 12 sons, sons of promise, the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, this is what he says for Dan. Not this Dan. Genesis 49, 17. Dan will be a snake beside the road, a poisonous viper along the path that bites the horse's hooves. Verse 27, Benjamin's a ravenous wolf, devouring his enemies in the morning, dividing his plunder in the evening. You hear what I just said? That... The chosen one. so just because we read a scripture that Ishmael, they take it and they say, well, you know, Ishmael had said he'd be a wild man and he'd war with his brothers. He'd war. And so we're like, okay, see, uh, Abraham made a mistake, and because of that, we still have war today. And do you know you'd have to take two billion people off the earth? Two billion people off the earth? If we get rid of Ishmael? wow. So do you think that God is, even though there are certain, there are things that happen in the earth, there are consequences. There are human consequences, but do you think that God does not love those two billion people and is desperately calling them to himself just like us, right? See, even Ishmael's, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every person on the earth, and You know, there's all kinds of stuff that we do that are outside of God's plan. And hopefully that's in the past and not something that we keep doing. But the reality is you're going to say the wrong thing to somebody. You're going to do the wrong thing. Those things are going to continue to happen. And it's our desire to keep saying, Lord, forgive me. Put me right. Get me back on the path. Make it straight. Forgive me. It's a constant life of repentance before him and asking for him to direct our path, but the reality is Ishmael's will come, and the thing is we are not meant to just hang there. That's the devil. The devil wants to get you to just dwell in your past, dwell in your mistakes, and even sermons. I mean, my whole life, Ishmael was always preached as the mistake, the greatest mistake he ever made, and then when you read the text for what it says, God never says once it was a mistake. You know what it says in the New Testament? It says it was an effort in his flesh versus Isaac being the spirit. So he's acknowledging that we do things in our own strength that have no benefit to God and to the plan of God. But it doesn't mean that, you, that it's disregarded or means nothing. Does that make sense? In fact, today the Lord is Uh, I just want to read this last scripture. The Lord is actually calling us to this, and he said this verse yesterday, and it's one of my favorites of the whole Bible. It's Proverbs 3, and it's 5 through 6, and it says this. I'm going to read it out of the New King James. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. If we trust in him and walk with him, he will fulfill promises, He will fulfill his plan. But listen, here's the key. In his timing, in his way, and for his glory. Ishmael was, look what I created to bring my name glory, right? It was an effort to carry on his name in his own strength. Isaac was supernatural. God bypassed both their bodies, He used their bodies, but he bypassed their ability, right, and gave Isaac supernaturally to them for his glory. So I just want to encourage us that sometimes it's 25 years before the Lord does something that you've been believing for and hoping for, and you can't can't dwell on all the life in between and all the mistakes that you turn, and otherwise you end up sitting and saying, Lord, should I go left or right? We end up becoming so weird. We need to just keep moving with life and keep asking God to keep pushing us back into his plan and purpose. Does that make sense today? Amen. I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray you use it to encourage us and bless us, and I thank you, Lord God, that You're working. Thank you, Lord God. You're working in the unseen, and you are doing things, Lord, that we can't even understand or imagine. I thank you, Lord God. We just hand it all over to you today. Lord, we want Isaac. We want the perfect plan of God, and I thank you, Lord. Help us to wait and endure and to do things your way and in your timing, but Lord, I pray all the things that we've done in our own strength, in our own way. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you work it out, use it for your good somehow, some way. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.